Issue number 74 of the Roll for Initiative podcast. I am DM Vince sitting alongside of, well, not really, but theoretically sitting alongside DM Matt. Hello, everyone. And the old DM Nick. Hey, everybody. And DM Will. Ancient DM Will. What's up? Ancient DM Will? All right, fine. Ancient <laughs> DM Will. <laughs> so, uh, Will, what have you been up to? I saw you were putting up uh, pictures of your man cave on the website there. Oh, yeah, I just put that up uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, because I said, you know, someone asked me, well, like, what do you have in your little man cave? So I just wanted to post a real quick picture because I'm getting this house, you know, fixing it up and getting this place to be like a, a game or heaven here. But no, nothing else besides that, you know, ran my first edition game again this week and uh, ran around to some half-price bookstores to buy some more of the old school stuff. And uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday I did a, a bunch of board games at the gaming store. So constantly, constantly contributing to the gaming society as, as it comes along. Sounds good to me. Did you like all the miniatures I had? <laughs> yeah, I was looking at you packed a lot of miniatures on Where that. is that in the forums? I haven't seen. <laughs> I think I put that. I think it's titled Man Cave and Lady Caves. Yeah, if you go to OSR Gaming and it's under uh, General Chat, I believe. And oh, okay. Yeah, General. I bought all, yeah, all those miniatures I bought in the last two weeks and everything, and these are all I intend on. Um, painting here real soon once i get everything else done i mean you'll see a little bit of battle tech up there there was some pathfinder and a lot of the uh, reaper miniatures for the uh, first edition stuff that i'm gonna be running semper fi representing the u.s marine corps there <laughs> oh i forgot all about that i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my man cave you're not gonna have a little bit of history in here you know a little my, you see my little pirate stuff all over the place and you'll see some warhammer fantasy stuff everywhere i didn't take a picture of the other corner though where the computer's at and you get your little doggy in there running around. Oh, yeah. She snuck up on me. I wasn't even paying attention. I was paying attention to the little red dot in the camera. And I just didn't see her in there. And I said, wow. Yeah, I got to take pictures of my loft where my man cave is so we can put it up there, too. Yeah, I like to see that. I yeah. like seeing that stuff. I like to see other people's man caves yeah, or so, lady caves. Yeah, my, I'll have to take a picture of my bedroom. It's like a mixture of an office slash bedroom slash gaming cave. It's ridiculous how much crap I have piled into such a small room. Oh, uh, so Matt, you give you a chance to uh, the plug the Die Hard, Die Hard Faming uh, Gaming uh, Group. Oh, yes. Uh, over at uh, DieHardGameFan.com, uh, we're hiring. We need reviewers for video games and tabletop stuff. So if you want to write, I'll put a link in the show notes to the uh, actual post uh, saying what we're looking for and what uh, we'd like for your a- application because we get so much stuff. We need writers bad. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, because Vince is on board and I know Will uh, put in an application. So, yeah, uh, at this rate, it seems like we're going to have a good chunk of the OSR gaming forums represented over there. So come um, on board. We need more. Will was accepted. Cool. Good for him. So we'll be joining us now too in the uh, writing. I just put, I just posted up my um, preview, so the, um, what does the new card can look at it. Yeah, 
Right. Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah, cause they do, yeah, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, because they do uh, their – nothing goes up over the weekend since the hits are low during the week. It's still be like Monday through Fridays when stuff gets reviewed and posted, so – yeah, I think I'll be doing a lot of the Battletech stuff uh, because I play a lot of Battletech, and I got a nice group down here at the gaming store that plays Battletech. And then we got uh, uh, the, the Pathfinder stuff. As a matter of fact, I guess most of it comes from the independent companies. Right. So I'm really looking forward to that because there's some really good independent companies out there. Oh yeah, I mean it's we we because we want to anything we get a review copy of we want to cover. Because there's just so much out there, and every game deserves the publicity, and it doesn't have to be just from like Wizards of the Coast or Pazio to get coverage. Everything deserves to be covered, so that's why we're on looking to hire because there's just so much content out there. It just is quality, but it's overlooked because it's not from like a name publisher. And I just want to say that he doesn't request that you write like a ten thousand word article, whatever you can write to help promote. The item right. is what he's looking for. Right. It, he. It's all about the quality of the review. It's not about quantity. There's no word minimums. It's uh, table. Uh, the video game section is different. There's actually a format that's followed for that. Whereas the tabletop RPG section is actually just free form. You review it and just put in a quality review, and that's what matters. Oh, Your final cool. thoughts about it, pretty much. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but yeah we, so sign up for that. Uh, we hope to get a lot of people joining up for Yes, that. hopefully so. And, uh, yeah, because we got good working relationships with a lot of the publishers. So, yeah, as, like, I was doing interviews with uh, Wizard for – I interviewed uh, the marketing manager of Dungeons & Dragons at Gen Con last year. And we've got good relations with other game companies as well. So, yeah, and it's led to some other interesting things I can't talk about, <laughs> too. Yeah, so. you know. So, but, yeah. Okay. Nick. Yes, sir. What have you been doing? Um, far as gaming situation, not much this week. Um, trying to pin down another date for our monthly game session going into Castle Greyhawk. So schedules seem to be conflicting with many people. So it's it's been difficult just getting everybody together, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, hope, hopefully we'll get something probably later on this month. The one thing I have been watching is the, you know, since the announcement of the reprints of the uh, three core rule books, I've been watching on various forums and blogs the amount of, you know, buzz that has generated. And it's been incredibly positive. And I think the uh, the uh, uh, people that are going to buy it, there's going to be quite a few. I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to be buying copies, and I know I'm going to be one of those folks. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing those coming out, and you know, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that Wizards, you know, is you know embracing the old school <laughs> uh, uh, the folks as it as it were. So that's what's been going on this week. So, oh, all right, cool. Uh, I tried to play in a game Saturday night, but it, no one really showed up. So, so oh, man, yeah, I was all ready to go, and like, only like two people showed up. They're like, "Oh, we can't play tonight," and they had their reasons, which was cool. But yeah, yeah, it was like I was wanting to play in Lass's game yesterday afternoon, but at twelve thirty, my internet went down. Ah, yeah. So I'm like, I'll spare everyone the joys of Skype over three G. But that was the same thing. I mean, that's the usual excuse. The dog gave my homework. Now the internet goes out. Yep. <laughs> I, 
couldn't make it. I was at half-price bookstores. We didn't know if he was going to go or not, but then last minute we decided to go ahead and go, and I hated to miss that game. I'd really like to hear her run the game. That would have been great. Well, she said there was a game designer with her there as well. So, oh. Yeah, I read that. I thought that would have been really awesome. I really, really am sad that I missed that because I really would have had a great time you know, enjoying playing with some of y'all. What are you going to do, right? It's life. I, I know a few people from the Saturday Night Group have convinced me to do an actual play podcast again for D&D, so I might be starting up another one. Hopefully. You guys are invited. Oh, oh yes. Get ready. I'll see if I could get into that. That would be okay. I haven't done any uh, online gaming over like Skype or something like that. I've, I've yet to try it out. So, oh, good. We'll get you involved, Nick. Yeah, it's, it'll be something new. I'm willing to try that out. Get so. your ears wet at least. Yeah. Get, get my ears wet. What if I get water in my ear and I can't hear? And oh. <laughs> so, Nick. Yes, sir. Stars. Stars, yes. Stars this week over on iTunes. And just to reiterate for everyone, you can find us on iTunes. Just type Roll for Initiative at the uh, iTunes store in the search section. And then you can pull us up and you can give us a review. Or you can contact us at rfistaff at gmail.com. So we have one review this week. And it's from Celestian. Oh, and it's a yeah, it's a three star review, and it says missing Jason with a with a uh, mm. question mark. It says I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but I miss Jason. This new guy DM well is like listening to a boring history lecture. It's a strong contrast to the chemistry that Vince slash Nick and even Matt have. It's like he picks up a book and reads from it and you immediately want to fall asleep. Fortunately, Vince, Nick, Matt keep things interesting, but please find someone else to fill Jason's old seat. Okay. (laughs) I just have to laugh because, no, I don't read from no book. So, (laughs) And, you know, I will gladly do this podcast from a video cam. That'd be (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Well, thanks for your feedback, Celestia, and we do appreciate it. Um. Will, a rebuttal, uh, response? Stop. I ain't got no response for it. My name is DM Will. I'm not DM Jason, so that's what you're going to have to live with. <laughs> that's it. Well, well said. Well said. So, yeah, that's the only review. And we are up to 97 reviews. 100. We're almost at 100. So, we'll, I don't know. We'll bake a cake and I don't know when we get to 100. So, so, yep, thanks for all of our reviews. And like I said, we, re- we read every single one when we can. And um, that'll do it for our stars review. Hey, you know what, though? He still could have gave you five stars and still say, I don't like DM Will. <laughs> Instead of punish everyone for me. That's true. <laughs> what are you going to do? People miss Jason. I'm sorry he left. That was his own decision. He's not yes. coming back. Jason's decision. He had way too much stuff on on his plate, and and the show wasn't fun for him anymore. So. Right, it became too much of a chore for him, and he, you know, he bowed out gracefully. And we, we, you know, rather have that than have him feel get frustrated and angry and just, you know, quit completely with on us. <laughs> so exactly. So blah 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 blah. Let's head into stage of lights, <laughs> Master. Master, they're at the gates again. Master, 
It looks like another band of adventurers. Adventurers? Again? Always the same. Coming to me for sage advice. Sage advice. Brought to you by Nick. No, I'm kidding. Sage advice. Here we got some sage advice. I just got, as we were uh, starting the show, I just got an email, and, and it's from uh, Jaco. And he said, hi, guys. And that's it. No, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> he says, I'm new and an instant fan of the podcast. Just a quick note and a question in regards to last week's talk about the re-release of the core rule books. Well, it was probably two weeks ago at this point. <laughs> when I heard the news that Watsy was releasing it, I jumped on the chance to finally get into AD&D. Awesome. I've been playing a lot of the editions that shall not be named. Sweet. Cool. And have always wanted to play AD&D. Good. I pre-ordered the books from my local gaming shop, the 20-sided store in Brooklyn. Cheap plug. And <laughs> I, Shameless and, plug. Shameless <laughs> plug, yeah. And, <laughs> and through that, I've been drumming up a lot of interest in the shop with people that play 4th edition. So, yes, I can actively confirm that these re-releases are sparking interest in later edition gamers exclamation point exclamation point i want <laughs> i want to dm but the task seems daunting can you guys recommend any resources for the pcs or the dm who is starting from absolute ground zero no one's grandfathering me into a group so i need to figure out how and how to compile everything i need i guess shameful to say i'm looking for some something akin to AD&D for dummies thanks keep up the great work and I know one of those listeners that has never played the edition but can't stop listening. Jocko. Huh. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome question. Good, good question. Don't know where to go. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Christopher, get out of here. <laughs> yes, damn you. You keep interrupting us. Uh, he needs to get to the chopper. But, anyways. Chopper. Chopper. Get down. <laughs> <laughs> You better stop. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so who wants to take this one? Well, I think first off is if you've ran any other game, a lot of those same skill sets will apply to first. Yep. Running a good game is goes past the mechanics of the system. Yeah, Being a good storyteller, having interesting characters, and just being able to work everyone in the group into what you're running, that is system agnostic. So anything that's just that aspect of it. Don't get hung up on the mechanics. That's one of the beauties of first edition. It's not that mechanically heavy. No. It's more about you telling your story. So folk, yeah. just focus on the storytelling. It is. It, that's a very good point. Uh, the AD&D, as far as the AD&D game mechanic is concerned, it's um, uh, not only is it very loose, but it's quite modular. You can take things out or you can put things in. That's one of the beauties, I think, of that of the of the game mechanic in itself. So, like, yeah, don't get hung up on the game mechanic. It's very easy, but yeah, I, I could agree with you anymore, Matt. I mean, you just you know, if you got those fundamentals already from yeah. you know good storytelling, you know, good you know NPC interactions, uh, just and good planning, you know, any good DM. Got to you know plan very well. You know read through your adventure. Know what you need. Know your players, what they want, and you know how they act. And that's half the battle right there. 
isn't there uh, a module that uh, introduces the game to pl- new players, a DM and a players? Yes, yeah. there's quite a few out there. Think. Oh, as a matter of fact, I'm trying to think right now for first edition. Yes, there is. I know. I remember. I just did. I just did a. I uh, think. Oh, was that basic? I'm sorry. That might most be of them are for no, basic. It's easily yeah. modified. If you're talking Keep of the Borderlands, mm-hmm. module B two is easily modified for first edition AD and D, and I would highly recommend using that one as a as a starting adventure. Still will review one. You know what? I, I it was either B ten. King's Harvest is 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 a is a, is a great one, uh, you know. And I'll tell you, be honest with you, B three Palace of the Silver Princess I prefer over that of B two because at the very beginning portion of that area, the DM is reading the description to the players, and then he goes, "What are you going to do now? Do you want to do this or do you want to do that?" Uh, and that's only for the first like two three rooms, and then from there on, the players should have a pretty good idea or notion of what they need to do yet. You know, I think the uh, What's his name? Jocko? Jocko? Jocko, yeah. yeah. He's on the right track because, one, he likes the game. That's the big thing right there. He likes the game. He likes yeah. the problem. That and your enthusiasm is. will come through when you there DM you it. Go. Exactly. And just be natural with it. Don't, you know, shoot from the hip or any of that crazy stuff. But uh, go with the simple modules first, like B3, Palace of the Silver Princess. I, I recommend that because there's that, that question and answer thing there so that, you know, he can tell the players, what do you want to do now? Do you want to search for secret doors or do you want to go through uh, room A or do you want to pull that lever down first? That's only for the first three uh, right. couple rooms. Yeah, try that. In fact, I think that one is a free download from Watsi's website still. Yes. I can find the link, and we can put it in the show notes. Uh, And far as, like, uh, Module B2, if you want to use that one as well, I'm a huge fan of that one. Uh, I'm sure you can find, if you don't have it already, there's copies (laughs) everywhere. Yeah. Oh, pretty yeah. much get them for deep, I just dirty saw, cheap. And I just saw um, half price books that and X one or X two also on the shelf for three bucks. So you know what? Wow, Both X2 of those would be awesome. great. Yeah, Isle of Dread, awesome. But I like awesome. to point out if you really want to get into it, a perfect jumping point off for learning is get the Menser Red Box set. Mm-hmm. There you go, yeah. prime yeah. example because there is a beginner dungeon in there already for you. I, I can only agree with you and everything. But one other point I need to mention, since we brought up on rule mechanics and everything, use the KISS rule. K-I-S-S. That means keep it simple, stupid. All right. So, Jocko, just keep with you the book on the table. Mm-hmm. Just run your adventure how you want to run it. And just, you don't have to worry. But don't worry about weapon versus armor class stuff. We can figure that in. Just have your tables for right. two hit and your saving throws. And that's really all you need. Yeah, and also... One thing he'll have to get used to is like versus other versions is, is there's like really no there's no real skill sets for the different classes unless they're specifically put for those classes like for thieves. Mm-hmm. If you know if it's not listed, have them role play it, wing it. Yeah, role play it yeah, out or yeah, or if it's you think it call. yeah, or if you think it needs a check, just make it a, an ability check. Okay, yeah. uh, compare it against your decks. Roll me a d twenty. I mean, and simple. just be consistent with that afterwards. Right. Yeah, just figure out what makes sense to you and stick with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that's the beauty of this game. There's there's a framework. There's not rigid words. I love it warts and all. Yep. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, next one comes from uh, Angel Doctor from the OSRGaming.org forums. 
He's saying, I am considering using material from uh, the Unearthed Arcana, in particular, illusionist cantrips. My question is, how many cantrips may be prepared for, excuse me, <clears throat> and cast each day for a first level illusionist or magic user? I assume four, but then does that mean the illusionist may not cast any more spells for the day from her limited set of first level spells? That's correct. That is correct. According to the rules, you could trade in your first level spell for four cantrips. And if you're first level, you only get one uh, illusionist spell for that day. And if you want to cast four cantrips, well, guess what? You can't cast that first level spell. Right. It's an either or. Now, that doesn't mean you can't house rule. Yeah. It, I, for, for me, uh, one of the house rules I've done in my, my campaign as far as cantrips are concerned you, uh, my anybody who plays a magic user illusionist is allowed um, uh, X number of cantrips equal to half their intelligence score rounded up, and that doesn't account against their number of regular spells per day. I because you know cantrips are not yeah. necessarily that powerful, so you know that's one of the house rules I use. It's worked out pretty well. I've so. used the house rule of just allowing them to have the four on top of what they had for first level because mm-hmm. they're just cantrips. Yeah, they're like yeah. You said they're just cantrips. There's no, like the was it tie? They're like, but they're so weak as it is. Yeah, tie and uh, clean. Yeah. Well, well, if you needed there dom- one called bug or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, if you needed domestic housework done. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So. Cool. Uh, last one comes from DM Chris. I've just started up a new campaign, and we're about five sessions in, deep underground, a great mountain, and the main plot has us, has involved them discovering that people have been disappearing from the underground city, and they've tracked it into a, is that a Dugar group? Is yeah, Dugar. Dugar group, who are, are hewing out a keep deep in the mountain. They have gained a group of henchmen and are about to assault the fortress. My question to you guys is how do you make a medium to large-scale assault Siege interesting and present puzzles to make the characters really think rather than draw this or to just run in. Thanks for the awesome cast. Keep it up. Ooh, good question. And that's an easy one to do. If you own the module UK3, the gauntlet, my recommendation is get that, get that module. Uh, Vince, you should know about UK3. Remember when the uh, characters are going to that abandoned keep? Yeah. And then the keep is assaulted by the uh, the fire giant and its allies. Yeah, yeah. Follow that whole format right there. And there you have a ready-made keep, now just converted to underground with all its dimensions and everything. And there you have a ready-made scenario on how to use a keep. Or you can grab the Menser Blacks box set, which also has siege rules in it, too. That's true. Mm-hmm. Which is the master box, in case anyone's wondering. That yeah, I like the yeah, see, I like the gauntlet version because you know the fire giant. I believe he has two uh, two platoons of hobgoblins, and he's got a couple flying allies, and he's got a couple of this and that, and so on, and some spellcasters. Actually, it's a pretty cool thing with that keep. I, I was really impressed that when I saw this question, I said, "Oh, I like this." I, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, the gauntlet UK three. And as far as making it. Interesting. It's hard to make a siege assault interesting. It's just too big, yeah. large scale to make it interesting. Right. Honestly. I mean, you could make it like okay. You need. They have this battery of siege weapons that's pounding the advancing forces. So okay, you need to figure out a way to like maybe take out the siege weapons while dodging the arrow volleys and 
I mean, you can make it rather action filled if you yeah. give them what are they give them something specific to accomplish as opposed to the generic get take over. Like, right. right. You give them a piece of the, the battle to worry about. So right. Still like over the whole large scale thing. And that makes sense, too. Yeah. Yeah, see, and that was the whole point of uh, UK3. The whole purpose of that was not to defeat that fire giant and its minions, that he gave the player characters a certain time period to produce it. I don't want to leave, let too much out on the on the module in case someone's playing it. But, you know, and if, if the players took too long, the fire giant would say, okay, this group of people attack those guys to show them, you know, that I mean serious business or what have you and what have you. And then, you know, he's still got a couple more people in that small little army of his. So now the puzzle portion, that's kind of confusing to me because I don't know how you're going to put a puzzle issue into the uh, siege unless he's talking about exploring underground and, you know, they, they're having issues with traps and all that other stuff. Yeah, that's where I was kind of thinking yeah. too. I, when Maybe I some traps issues. Yeah, I mean, when I was thinking puzzle, just more of okay, they have this. You, if they had decent reconnaissance on like the walls, the arms inside the forces, then then the puzzle becomes how to best approach this to accomplish whatever we're trying to do. So it, it is just more of the. Uh, operational tactics as opposed to the uh, actual individual uh, platoon level. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I can see that. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. Use oh. miniatures for that. Yes. <laughs> Use miniatures. I think that would make it a much more playable and fun scenario. Right. And don't get hung up on distances either when using the miniatures. Just Use them for rough representations. Don't start measuring out everything. Then you went into war game territory. Meh. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Savage advice. Uh, you can call us 570-865-4210, the hotline, or rfistaff at gmail.com, and we'll answer your questions. Thank you for your emails, and uh, let's head into table manners. We'll get your encyclopedia to start reading from. Oh, do you want me to speak like William Shatner, or do you want to speak like Ben Stein, <laughs> have a monotonous voice, or whatever? <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah, I remember back in the day, a fella knew how to judge a fireball on the fly, and how far the cleric could push the undead he turned. I tell you, with all these min-maxers and munchkins, metagame and power game, there's something missing that I'm here to learn you. Now sit down and crack your book while I commence to teach you some... Table Manners. Okay, on today's Table Manners, we are going to talk about Kender. I believe this is going to be a Dragonlance uh, uh, podcast and everything. So we're going to have fun talking about Kender. Yeah. So what are Kender? You know, it's kind of funny because when I was looking at the questions and everything else, I said, I could not really tell people what Kinder are. And so I, well, I started online. I could tell you what they are. You throw it in a oh. pot, don't you? <laughs> they're halflings. Oh. Well, yeah, we could say they're halflings. But guess what? As I was reading on the history of Kinder, it sounds to me like, and as, as I was looking on the, I looked on Wikipedia first, but I like looking on there. I guess that Kinder are more related to gnomes. Mm -hmm. Did you all catch that part? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was very interesting. But the history on Kender and how they came around was I found it extremely convoluted. I mean, when you read on the history of when it started, I think they were first published in 1984. And then it went on to Dragonlance. 
and then it came into some Dragon Magazine articles. Now, I'm going to cover the articles real quick, like, because uh, there were some issues here. Uh, Roger Moore, who had part in making the Kender, or, uh, you know, fleshing them out a little bit, did a article in Dragon Magazine number 85. So that was an error on the Wikipedia page. They put down number 84. But in, in Dragon Magazine number 85, he did a article called A Stone's Throw Away, which is not really even an article. It's basically, what, a story? I believe that's what it is. He did a, like a, a story, like of a book, a chapter out of a book, talking about, you know, Kender or Tasselhoff Burfoot from Dragonlance fame. From there, I went to Dragon Magazine 101. Uh, I think the title was All About Kender. So as I was reading that article, um, I just realized that I am reading almost verbatim what was in the Dragonlance book, the uh, Dragonlance Adventures was what I was reading. So either way, go to one of those articles and then you might learn something about Kender. Let's say you made a comment concerning halflings versus Kender or Kender a halfling. Well, yeah, not yeah. Ex- well, not exactly. Let me tell you the differences between the two races. Let's start with that first. When you are playing Dragonlance, you want to play a Kender, or if you want to play halflings in a regular first edition PH, uh, well, first edition, it's all first edition. Halflings have a minus one strength, and they have a plus one dex as their racial ability. Kender get a minus one strength, but they get a plus two to dexterity. So it seems like they're more dexterous, which is kind of weird now because when you talk about Kender, the first thing that comes to mind is they're thieves. That was not what their original intention Annoying was Kender. <laughs> yeah, but see, their main intention was he did uh, – Tracy and Margaret did not want Kender – to be a race of thieves. So did you read that in that article on Wikipedia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very interesting right. there. So so they get a plus two dex, vice a plus one for halflings. Uh, halflings have no minimum for race. So if anyone wants to play halfling, they can play halfling regardless of their, uh, their scores. However, Kender have a min-max. They need a minimum and they have a maximum. Which is kind of weird because now if you go through, <laughs> if they could be fighters and what levels and everything, then we talk about a whole different thing. So Kender can have an 18 strength, which is, I, I don't understand the logic, you know, in, in how they, they did these uh, stats and everything, but they can have an 18 strength if they went to fighter. But if they're playing a non-fighter, I believe their max is 16. Yeah. So when you, yeah, when you see the game stats on, on the, uh, for the Kender on page 53 of the Dragonlance Adventures, uh, just pay attention to the asterisks. Now, halflings can, can be fighters, fighter thieves, or thieves. If you use the UA, the Unearthed Arcana, they can be clerics and druids. And Kender, on the other hand, can be barbarians. They can be rangers, and they can be thief acrobats on top of being a fighter, cleric, and druid. Again, they can't be thieves. Did y'all catch that part? They can't. Well, I'm going to take that back. They can be thieves, unlimited if you use the UA. I'm I'm looking at different things here, but they can be thieves, but thief acrobats. The halflings are so different. They can't be thief acrobats. They can't be barbarians. They can't be rangers. Halflings have no thief class or no, no thieving skills per se if they were just like any other class. Let's say if they were fighter, they have no thieving skills. Kender, on the other hand, have thieving skills even though they're not a thief class. So they automatically have thieving skills. Uh, Infravision. Halflings can have up to 30 
to 60 feet, depending on what kind of halfling they are. Kender can only have 30 foot range infravision. Special abilities. Halflings have no special abilities. They only have their racial abilities versus magic and so on, depending on what the constitution bonus is. I don't consider that a special ability. On Kender's side, they have you know a few special abilities. One, having that Kender pockets where they can pull something out of their pockets, and there's a little chart there. We have to roll randomly, see what they pull out, whether it's useful or useless or whatever. They have the Kender taunt. They have the ability to taunt uh, you know, targets. You know, get them all mad and everything and enrage them. And they also have this a special ability called fearlessness. So, I mean, well, it's a special ability. It's a racial ability if you play kinder. I guess they're not halflings. You see where I'm coming from on that. So those are what are the major differences that I see in kinder and halflings, you know, by the book rules on the first edition PHB and the Dragonlance Adventures book. Did you all find anything else different? No. 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 I still don't like them. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I think Kinder are buffed, annoying halflings. And that's the player's (laughs) fault. It's like the lawful, stupid paladin. That's yeah. why there was a great Kender purge in my game universe. Personally, I just want to run two more horrors with a party of Kenders. Oh, God, I would kill you. <laughs> Most oh. people play those Kenders as annoying, hyper uh, It's like playing a, a 10-year-old with ADD. Mm. And, you know, that's funny how you all say that because originally – they were the, the original concept for Kinder. And it's funny because I think they wanted to call them Kinder. That's how they would have spelled it, K-I-N-D-E-R. Yeah. But they changed that to Kinder because they didn't like that Kinder, the way it sounded. You know, that, that makes sense. But originally, I think the original concept was that they were going to be savage warrior children, uh, ever curious but alert. Mm-hmm. But then I guess, you know, it, it, and then, you know, Jeff Grubb got involved. I mean, it's surprising the whole cast of old school uh, authors and, and, and so on that got involved into creating the Kinder in the form that it is today and everything. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're described as small boned and they rarely grow over four feet tall, which I think that sounds like halflings anyway. What's the tallest halflings can be? I didn't even look on if they're candidates how tall they can be, but I've never seen a five foot gnome. I mean, a five foot, you know, halfling. So, but I mean, besides that, I mean, that is the major change in the history of the Kender. It's very convoluted. A lot of people had say in it. It started out that they were, you know, that annoying, you know, uh, very curious, you know, humanoid race that they get themselves in trouble but like you said if you play them like that you know get ready for some stupidity to happen <laughs> but i'm not a fan of kinder i mean I, like you i think matt you're not a fan of dragon uh i enjoyed the novels as for playing oh, in it uh i can not take so or much. leave it ne- neither am i i i just well i've read through some of the books i think they're good I, but as far as playing in the world as long as you don't use the modules, I think you're fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, you know, I I have no problem with Dragonlance. I, it's not my campaign of choice. It's a very specialized campaign setting. Yeah. I, I, I think I told Vince before that I ran, you know, Dragonlance when it first came out, and I ran module to module as they were being released. 
and I, I you know I, I like the modules yeah they're railroad choo choo we all know that stuff whatever uh, still though you know I, I thought they were you know well written uh, it had a great story setting and then you know of course it's going to follow the books it was the same thing with Dark Sun when it came out with that stuff after the death of King Caleb and so so and so and so on uh, I mean it's a good setting it's a good setting I'm not I, I prefer to play Minotaurs to be, all, be honest with you I'd rather play them but I don't think I could honestly play a kid. You know, Kendra suffer from this. Uh, I don't know if it's like a mental illness, but they call it wanderlust. Did you all read that? No, it's a mental illness. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> 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 They're insane little people. <laughs> they must be stopped. Well, unlike Dark Sun, the halflings in there, or whatever you want to call them, they're carnivorous. They, they're cannibals. So, <laughs> the you know, the... the I'll I'll take you know uh, Kinder over those bad boys any day, but they're natural extroverts, so they're not they're not your typical gamer you know mentality. They like to go out, they like to explore. They're very curious. They're very sensitive. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but oh, I guess I see what they're saying. You now. can hurt their feelings. Sense. You can hurt their feelings and they'll cry. Wow, I'll carry yeah, a violin on where, purpose. And that's where they get annoying. Every time I know someone who played a Kinder. It's like when you catch them, quote unquote, taking something when they're handling something and you catch them, they get all weepy eyed and like, I was just looking at. Oh, shut up. We're stealing it. I know it. Stop lying. Well, what is so funny about it is, though, I mean, they're sensitive to being, you know, insulted and they'll start crying and weeping and all this other mess. But they're masters of taunting. Therefore, their sarcasm and outright rudeness, you know, comes out, you know, when they're riled up. So that's kind of funny well, how they have that Jekyll and Hyde, you know, <laughs> mentality. They can dish it out, but they can't take it. <laughs> Pretty much. Bunch of sissies. That's right. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, I don't know why y'all are sticking me with all these short people things. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I mean, that makes it what it is, though. <laughs> Say again? Short people ain't got no reason to live. <laughs> well, I happen to be a person that played in a lot of Dragonlance, and uh, my my group focused on Dragonlance for quite a while. We even played the uh, Saga edition of Dragonlance when it came out with the cards. So we like Dragonlance. I just think Kindred's really annoying, and I, I'm, I'm with Nick. They should be destroyed. They're the, yeah. <laughs> they're the Gungan of the AD&D world. Yes, yes. Like that I said, the great Kinder Purge in my game universe. Like I said in the beginning, what do they use? What are Kinders? The things you throw in a fire. It's <laughs> <laughs> Kindle. Oh, Lord. I'll tell you something. That is just too funny. But, you know, when you look at halflings and Kinders, and, you know, I'm just talking about the physical appearance, but I'm still talking about the differences between the two. They describe Kinder as being, you know, wizened. And they appear that the faces are about 40 years of age. I don't think halflings have that kind of face. They have that youthful, mm-hmm. uh, cherubic kind of face, I believe they do. Yeah, very round halflings. and plush. Yeah. Oh, but I did see one interesting thing on the history of them, that Kinder, they wear shoes unlike halflings who like to walk around barefooted. Or barefoot, actually. Say again? <laughs> Whoopee. Well, well, what can I say and everything? Well, well when it comes to using caltrops... Makes a difference. Yeah, so I don't care. I'd still I'd throw caltrops at Kinder. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. 
So <laughs> we're going to have Will do uh, how to play a dwarf to keep with the small people. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no, no. I have no problem with that because I love playing dwarves, especially dwarven clerks. I have no problem with that. But like I said, you know, Dragonlance is its own setting. They wanted, you know, and that's, again, another thing that came up in the design of the Kinder was when they, they originally did use halflings. But I think what the issue was with the halflings uh, when they first started out in that, in, in, you know, when Dragonlance was coming to be, that the halfling uh, that was used, I forgot who it was that was using it. Uh, it was a halfling and he had a ring of invisibility. So when they was play testing this thing, they said like, you know what? This sounds like another story, and we all know what story we're going to go to. On yeah. That so I said, I have no idea. Oh, you have no idea? Well, I'm not no. going to tell you. No yeah, clue. No. <laughs> <laughs> so when I read that, I said, it's so funny how it all starts out like that, and so that's why Kender. It just it started to be a very convoluted process. They said, let's make it like this. Let's you know, make it, it just changed. You, you, it's funny that you brought that because you're talking about the whole kinder race and how they're presented in Dragonlance and all their abilities and stuff. And I'm like, wow, those actually really sound like Tolkien hobbits. They really do. Mary and Pippin. <laughs> they, yeah, they do. Mary and Pippin are kinders. That they, explains so they much. Are. I mean, and which is sad for me because I like the Lord of the Rings and I hate kinder. So what does that mean? My head's going to explode. That means you, you'll you have to start killing Merry and Pippin? No, I like Merry and Pippin. I was wondering why they didn't get killed much sooner in the movies. Not that they actually ever did die, but I'm just like, they. I found them so annoying. Oh, wow, there comes Kender in there somehow. Yeah. But, but, uh, one they thing taunted I me. To... <laughs> they taunted them. That's, oh, I can't stand those Kender. Anyway, as you were saying... The uh, Dragonlance books, you know, you always talking about the books and the novels, and I'm trying to figure out if they were actually talking about game books, where they have three conflicting accounts of how Kender actually created. And one of those accounts stated that <laughs> that Kenda, uh, Kender descended from gnomes. So I don't know if that's an insult to gnomes or if that's an insult to Kender. <laughs> but I don't think they're gnomes in Dragonlance. If I'm cor- oh, I'm sorry. They have those tinker gnomes. We yeah. already spoke about those things. Yeah, we already uh, talked about them, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no love for those bad boys, I tell you. Well, there's also gully dwarfs, too, for small annoying. Yeah. Oh, gully dwarfs. What a shame. What is dwarf. with Dragonlance and small annoying demi-humans? What's the deal? Who <laughs> knows? <laughs> <laughs> Margaret, clue us in, Tracy. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, but as you as you read more into the history, you're gonna find that the dwarves have a lot of say in the matter because I think they're trying to separate. There, there might have been some talking about how dwarves might be related to Kinder, but dwarves kind of like you know twisted around and said no, they're more related to gnomes. They're more related to gnomes than they are dwarves. So <laughs> no one wants to claim them. <laughs> <laughs> well, dwarves have their own problem. They did, they need to deal with their gully dwarf kin and everything. They don't need to deal with Kinder as another part of their gully problem. Dwarves are like they're like the hobo dwarves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can't count to three or four or something. <laughs> one, two, many. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God, you're killing me on those uh, gully dwarves. But no, so that's what you know. Kinder are all in a nutshell, and you probably could fit a couple in a nutshell. Yeah. That's short, you know, they're small little. They crush the nutshell while they're in it. (laughs) But so, no, but uh, as far as being related to halflings, I think they made great uh, lengths to separate halflings from Kender and made them their own race with their own, you know, racial, you know, special abilities or what have you. So, with that, they're still halflings. 
Yeah, they're still halflings. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <I> just, like... <laughs> and they wear shoes. So that's that's what my take is from, you know, looking at Kender, reading up on them, and, and what I, I remember from memory. Okay. Cool. And I know that all of y'all want them dead and exterminated. Kender side. All right. Don't exist in my game universe, so. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to see what other people feel about Kenner because I hope it's not as harsh as y'all's. I'm sure there are some people out there saying, "I love them; they're my favorite race to play." And I'm like, "Well, good for you. They you're don't... the one person I do not like." What? No, <laughs> I can't stand this when I start a new game with some people that I haven't played with in a while, and they t- they play halflings like Kenders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that happens. Oh, That's man, true. I tell you, yeah. that's like I say, play the lawful good paladin. I detect evil on everybody in the town, and I slay them if they're evil. Ooh, oh, lawful man. good paladin with a bunch of Kenders. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I all souls? You know, suddenly pitch, picturing like you know, Catholic school nun with a bunch of like five year old kids. <laughs> I'm envisioning wacky sitcom. Oh, you're all starting to turn off Dragonlance to me. Let's stop it while we have the chance. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> no, Dragonlance is good to go. I'm good to go. I still like Tracy. You're good to go, my friend. Mm-hmm. All right, let's head into game mechanics. What the heck is that? Understand, you fool. I have a spell that will work here. What do you mean I can't hit with that? Oh, right. Fine. Show it to me in the book. Welcome to Game Mechanics. All right, folks, uh, here's a DM Nick here, and with Game Mechanics this week, uh, going with our, I guess, our Dragonlance theme yet again, mm-hmm. we are going to talk about the Law of Consequence, and that's out of uh, page nine of uh, the Dragonlance Adventures book, and, uh, you know, I found this part actually very interesting. Yeah. It's not even half a page, but I think... What you have here speaks volumes about, you know, Kryn, how it is, and the universe that it is it is in. So uh, let me just kind of go through the law of consequence real quick. It's basically the philosophy of being in Kryn in a Dragonlance setting. You have three or actually four different rules, excuse me. One, good redeems its own or otherwise known as the law of Paladine, who was, who's the god, lawful good god in uh, Dragonlance, basically means that if you do good deeds, you'll get repaid in return. Uh, number two is evil feeds upon itself, meaning also known as the law of the Dark Queen. Uh, it means evil's belief in natural selection through elimination of weaker beings Chaotic evil objective in the universe is the supremacy of mighty, of might without any moral considerations whatsoever. Lawful evil be more strict in following like a very Darwinian kind of view of the world. Uh, the third rule is both good and evil must exist in contrast. You probably saw that one coming. It's kind of like the law of neutrality, the law of Gillian or the doctrine of shadow. So there, basically means the universe should remain in balance. 
and neutral objective is unity and diversity. And the fourth rule is the law of consequence. The final law was given by the high God himself to rule over all other laws. For every law and rule that is obeyed, there is a reward and blessing. For every law transgressed, there is a punishment. And these blessings and punishments might not come immediately, but they do occur eventually. So, and there's this little gray box here under all this where it says a proper Dragonlance game bases its campaign and its morals around these principles, promoting the power of truth over injustice, good over evil, and granting good consequences for good acts and bad consequences for evil acts. Now, with that being said, I've never used those before. before. How, I think within the Dragonlance setting, this works great. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's very epic in scale. It is okay. a epic fantasy setting. I, I've always, in my opinion, considered Kryn and Dragonlance an analog of Lord of the Rings, more or less. Mm-hmm. It's very, I, I, it has that particular flavor. Right. It has that very much the world is falling apart, evil could easily yeah. triumph. At the same I mean, time, there's this little, there's this small beacon of hope, and that hope is never lost no matter how bleak. Right. It's, it's very, very epic in scale. Exactly. And I think this law of consequence helps play into that. It, uh, if your characters do or a character does something good, um, it, your character will be rewarded in kind. If you do something bad, uh, you're probably going to do something bad. Now, it kind of I think it's kind of conflictory because if you're playing evil characters, if you do something evil, I would think that means you're promoting evil and that is a good thing for you, quote unquote, good thing for you, you know? So, but by typically by doing more evil, you're also harming other evil because of the natural selection thing, because you're stronger than number two. So in turn, you're actually furthering the side of good by being evil because you're killing off the evil. And hence it gets all crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a little, it can be a little confusing because we're talking about, you know, deep moral philosophical views in this Mm -hmm. particular type of game world. If that is your type of flavor of a campaign that you want to do, that is really great. That's fantastic. Because for me as a DM, I, I, like to be a little bit more I guess play a little bit more loose um, it doesn't mean I don't follow alignments or follow those sorts of things in my campaign world but you know with Kryn it's it's like it seems that it's, it's a cornerstone of that type of campaign setting now would this work outside of Dragonlance using this philosophy the, these four laws yeah it can if you want to pattern your game world after that. I think it could work. It also depends on if your players would be up to doing something like that. So I wouldn't force this sort of thing upon my players without like giving them undue notice. Well, here's <laughs> you know, the, here's, the, here's what it is and too bad, my game. Yeah, I, I would like, here. what do you guys think of this idea? What do you think of this concept You know, for the next campaign? What if we do this? If everybody agrees, yeah, we'll do it. If not, 
you know, then we won't do it. So I think it's a very interesting uh, part of the Dragonlance setting. I, I found this, like I said, not even half a page, but I think it really sums up the idea of the whole the Dragonlance setting and how it is. And you can port it into other areas, but it by doing that, it's going to elevate, I don't know if you want to call it elevate, but it'll put it in the high epic campaign, very Tolkien-esque kind of campaign setting. So I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, Vince? I've I've never, all the games we've played, we've never used the Law of Consequence at all. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed to be very hard to implement, yeah. maybe. Or it's too hard to it's too hard to keep track of. Much like the right. uh, the tracker on the back of the book for yeah yeah I remember that we talked about that last time that tracker thing that that can be uh, kind of you know, like oh great more paperwork we got to follow. It's too so. much for I'm, I'm a DM that doesn't like a lot of paperwork, so a DM like me would not like to use these things. But maybe someone like Will, who's more used to being more on the top of things, would probably like doing that. Well, I mean. The law of consequence is great for this campaign setting, but I think the key thing was in that gray portion there that you uh, read there. Yeah. And I think what this is doing, I think this is impressing upon the DM to the players that, guess what? This is not an evil campaign setting. This is a, a campaign you need to be good or neutral. Right. I think that's what this whole gray portion thing is talking about because if if you play evil – it, it looks like it's it's not going to last long, but if you play good and neutral, it looks like you're gonna you're gonna live a lot more longer. Yeah. Right. So I think this is pressing upon the DM and to the players that guess what? When you play Dragonlance, this is more for players that want to play good aligned characters or neutral. Right. I mean, it's not going to go well for the more selfish, self-centered characters in Dragonlance. The land is too harsh. It's too dangerous to have that me first mentality at the expense of everything else and it just shows in the setting so it's really not for you couldn't even really do like an anti-hero or anything like that i think successfully because you would end up having yourself killed just due to the laws of consequences and just how treacherous the world really is it's basically falling apart and if you have that I'm going to survive and double-cross everyone in my path because of it. Just looking out for my own self-interest, it's going to come and bite you in the butt because you're going to need help. How many times in the novels were they dependent upon the kindness of others just to get by? Uh, Quite a bit. Exactly. If it wasn't for the help of the the barmaid and the barkeep and the home of the the leaves of the last den, as I draw a blank on the name. (laughs) Uh, You know... I, I'm glad we're actually doing this because this is a great contrast to what we did the last time when we were talking about doing a Hyborian campaign in AD&D. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great, great opposite of that. Mm-hmm. In a Hyborian campaign, if I if I could make some comparisons, you Please. can pretty much. Well, thank you. <laughs> if you can pretty much, you can pretty much keep it very loosey goosey, kind of. You can wing it more or less, mm-hmm. you know, as far as what the motivations are of characters. In fact, we even said alignments be damned because yeah. they don't really pertain in that sort of game world. If you're going to have a high boring setting. Now we have Dragonlance. Total opposite. Alignments mean practically everything. And the law of consequence is a golden 
a shining uh, example of that, where if you're going to do something good, you will be repaid sooner or later in good. If you're going to do evil sooner or later, it's going to come back to you. So, and in that way, I think some players might feel like they're shoe really shoehorned into something mm-hmm. like that. Some people might not feel comfortable with that. I don't know. It depends on you know, what, I guess what you're in the mood for. So, but I think they're really good contrasts. And you can easily make a campaign in Dragonlance. You don't have to follow what the main characters along with it. Or, oh no, right. of course not. I, it's probably yeah. the, it's probably more preferred that way. I would think. I I totally agree. Either you do it before, or you do it after. You know the, you know the thing with Dragonlance occurred. Yeah, I agree with that. That yeah. this and yeah, and that's the sad part about this. I think this book came out, you know, uh, quite a bit after the modules came out. I believe I can't. The book was uh, published. Yeah, and see, none of this stuff we really had when we ran the Dragonlance campaign modules, and I very minimal activity with Dragonlance after I ran the Dragonlance modules as they were deal 16 or 17, mm-hmm. wherever it stopped at. That's it. Did I stop? I didn't do anything else after yeah. that. So I would think, I know there, and like we were talking about the alignment issue between the two. I, you know, there are people out there and I've, I've talked with them. There are people who even in their regular D and D campaigns, they don't pay attention to alignment at all. They there. I've read on forums where there are people that hate the alignment system. So this would not be something to your liking, <laughs> especially when you're talking about the law of consequence, where alignment in your actions will will result in some sort of recourse. I like the alignment system for the simple fact that it's a guideline for a character to play, because I'm sick of playing a game when someone's going wildly nuts, being evil, and all of a sudden, next thing, oh, here's a little kid on the side of the street. Here's a million dollars because I love you. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I have I use alignment. One, it's, I play by the book anyway, but I I really truly believe in the alignment system. It's it's oh, the I staple of. No, no, I'm not saying you don't. Know, I'm just saying this: the, the alignment is the staple of this uh, of D and D as a whole. Yeah. Uh, Dragonlance just puts a spin on it, and right. uh, I, I. But I, you know what? Y'all already said it's part of this world, and that's what makes this campaign setting unique. Right, and there are some people who like it. They like the the moral consequences that you have to deal with if you stray away from your character's alignments like we talked about the last time with that with that chart and this also feeds into that that law of consequence if That's you right. do something bad or good you know depending on your alignment you're something's going to come back on you so and and there are some players who like that they 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 like that moral and ethical quandaries that come up mm-hmm. and you know this. I this is kind of an aid for the DM to follow, I guess. So well, I like it. It's interesting. I think it's a very interesting uh, look at the Dragonlance setting, where it's. I think this is a real core part of that. So, I guess if we've all all talked about it here, we'll hear back from people out there and and uh, roll for initiative land, and you can let us know what you think of the law of consequence. Would you use this in your own game world? So. You know, or not. So uh, I guess after that, we will uh, move on to Vince and Creature Feature Theater. That is not dead, not scared, and with strange ears, even death may die. I welcome the unwary. 
The creature feature did it this week. I have a uh, monster from the book here called the Thanoi. Uh, maybe I'm not pronouncing that right. Thanoi. But anyway, they are walrus men. And they're kind of weird because they're a mix between human and walruses. They have these padded feet, stocky arms with fingers capable of holding weapons. One thing that I think that's interesting about them, they're a vicious race. And they're very aggressive. And they'll go, they'll stop at nothing to torment and torture other creatures. So this is one of my favorite monsters. Wait from- a minute. Yes? Hold on a second. Hold the phone. It's like that walrus in the cantina in Star Wars. Yep. The walrus guy. <laughs> They're kind of clumsy looking, but don't let them, you know, it really will surprise you because they have the ability to just like whip out this weapon and do two more points of damage than usual, no matter what weapon they use. So, And forget about it, the leader of this group of these walrus things is a hit dice more aggressive than the rest of them. And uh, one way to uh, one of the weaknesses I noticed was fire-based attacks, whether ma- magical or not. But they suffer uh, extra point of damage per die every time you attack them with that. But if they're in a cold climate, they're just fine creatures mm-hmm. that you can't stop them. They're uh, dangerous. They do uh, suffer extra damage from heat and fire-based attacks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're a four-hit dice creature. And they lose one hit die per week when they're exposed to above-freezing climates too. Uh, so you're not going to see them adventuring. So no. how did one end up in Moss Eisley Cantina on a desert planet? Tell me that one. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been hurt. <laughs> yeah, he was near to death. Because they have a thick, rough, leathery type skin. They have uh, and layers of fat. They have an armor class of four naturally. So you better watch out. Wow, actually, that's pretty good. Yeah, so they're pretty they're pretty dopey looking creature, but you know, you make fun of them. You know. They're gonna put the smack down on you. Yeah, they will. My question is though, these you know, it seems kind of funny, but I swear, I swear, 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 that something similar to this in one of the uh monstrous compendiums mm-hmm. for Mystra, I I I, I just don't know. I, I'm telling you, these things are so funny. Are familiar. you thinking of the gif? You know what? That's probably from Spelljammer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're the hippos. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, they're like the, hippo the hippos. Oh, okay, there he goes. Well, they're both huge monsters. I mean, huge whatever they are. Yeah, okay. Yeah, when you read the scripture, I'm thinking, oh, it's like the walrus do the Malsicely Cantina. Yeah. It's cool. I, I can think of these uh, the, these uh, walrus men as pirates on the sea as you're oh, traveling yeah. around. And they're like, they, they start attacking your ship. And you're like, what the heck? And you see giant walruses like jumping off the side of the ship, coming and attacking mm-hmm. the side of your ship, climbing on board and breaking it apart and like just trying to kill you. I, I <laughs> picture them like in like Viking long ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, about the them is that they won't kill you. They'll grab you and drag you under their ship and just torture you and torment you. Exactly. It says they do. Yeah. yeah. Well, they are lawful evil alignments, so yeah, that figured. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking about this? I just I also realized they're also in World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Ah, uh, but is there a uh, Pokemon version of these? Uh, uh, yeah, there is actually. What? You have to, you have to ask Vince. <laughs> <laughs> there is, Nick. There is. Inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of the name, but I know I, I can picture the creature in my mind now. Oh God, is nothing sacred? 
<laughs> Big guy, small mouth that encompasses everything in fantasy. Oh boy! Oh, I love that game, Big Guy, small mouth. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> I, you know what? I would actually port these into my regular campaign. They seem like a pretty cool critter. Yeah, put these with like working with, the, with those shark men type people. Uh huh. And Ooh. the hippo people, and you can have your own little nation yeah. in the water there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this would be a really cool. Uh, creature to use if you're in an arctic campaign setting i mean i mean mean, this would be perfect because when you're talking like a arctic tundra type setting or at least part of your game game world where it might be arctic or tundra what have you there's not a whole lot of monsters to fill in that type of environment there are a few that we could probably think of on top of our head yeti and uh yeti uh (laughs) the the tear tear that we talked about the white pudding White pudding, yeti. And, um, no. What the heck is that? <laughs> the remor has, which is really really nasty. No, I don't but, like you know, those. There's, there's frost just beautiful. Snow, okay, snow. Frost snow. okay. <laughs> Beyond that, not much. Any any monster you can think of, just add the word snow in front of it or ice in front of it. Snow troll. Okay, fine. Snow ice. fire troll. <laughs> <laughs> snow trolls. Okay. Ice dragon. All right. Yeah, we got white dragons. Already got that. <laughs> Anywho, not this dragon. Anoy would be a good addition to that. You know, to you know, so really surprise your your player characters. You know, I think they'd be very cool. How can you surprise them? It's a fantasy game. It's supposed to be there. Now no, they don't know they don't exist. It's heroic fantasy. <laughs> Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> As opposed to science fiction fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, don't start that. Q, Q, Q. Anyway, let's head into a uh, Dragon Sword now. As the secret portal yields to your efforts, you stand amazed at a vision from the most fevered dreams of avarice. Before you lies the Dragon's Hall. And now we're in the Dragon's Horde, and this time, roar! For Dragonlance. So it'll be a, a quite the horde with a much more mobile item than uh, the minion of a couple episodes ago. For, for this is a scroll that doesn't require 20 people to carry. Yay! Yes. The scroll of the stellar path. Because in Dragonlance... The power of magic is directly related to the three moons, and each alignment, good, evil, and neutral, has their own moon. And depending on where that moon is in relationship to the other ones, you get different bonuses to your saving throws and your spellcasting ability. And what this scroll does, when used, it actually gives you the most advantageous position of your moon. So... If we go to page 20, the scroll's on page 91, but if we go to page 27 is where it actually talks about the effects of the moons in Dragonlance. And depending on what, Uh, yes, this is where you need your astrological chart. If you have Spelljammer, it comes with that nice giant map of outer space, and you could easily start uh, plotting the moon phases. But depending on if it's in high sanction, waning, waxing, or low sanction, it affects what you get. 
High sanction is the best. If your moon is in high sanction, which is what this scroll would cause, you get plus one to your saving throws, plus two additional spells, and your effective level goes up one. Only a wizard, though, of sixth level or higher, with an intelligence of 15, gains the benefit of that, though. Then it starts getting a little wacky because you also need to figure out where the other moons are, too. Because if you have, there's the Solstice, there is the Nunatari, and the Lunatari, and the Solentari are the three moons. Solentari is for the white robes, Nunatari is for your neutrals, and Lunatari is for your evil. And if so, if the Solentari is in line with the Lunatari, you get an additional plus one saving throw. Plus one additional spell, plus one effective level. If Nunantari is in line with the Lunantari, same thing. If the Solantari is in line with the Nunantari, it's plus one saving throw with no additional spells, and the effective level is the same. But then if all three moons are in line, it's plus two saving throw. Yes, pretty much, because you get plus one to your level, plus two to your saving throws, and plus two additional spells. Uh, it, it, yes, I hope you like <laughs> astronomy to actually make use of this because you need to plot your moons. Well, what you could do is every day before your campaign you play, you can go to the Dragonlance website, DL Nexus, and they have what the <laughs> forecast is for Dragonlance. And they have the moon <laughs> forecast. Shut up, really? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Well, that, I was just going to say before that, wow, that's a lot of you know, work for the DM, but hey, if the right. website does it for yes. me. Yay! But think of- <laughs> what the weather is that day. <laughs> wow. Oh, but no. for the for the poor wow. DMs that had that scroll in their campaign when this book first came out, however, I pity them. Yeah, because it was 1987. Would we have Commodore 64s and Well, if you 80s? go for netted <laughs> to an app that... I mean, yeah. it's it's an interesting scroll. I see why it exists in the Dragonlance world, but oh my god, yeah. the paperwork involved and it's and once you use the scroll, it's gone. Poof. It's one shot, you use yeah. it, you get yeah. the benefits for 48 hours. But there's that's a lot of bookkeeping, but I guess if you're playing Dragonlance, that kind of comes with it because the moons and their positions do play an integral part in the story. But I just yeah. can't see translating yeah. that to another uh, another setting, though. So, could you could, but right. who would want to? <laughs> well, you know, you know, when I see this here, this is very interesting because this gave me some ideas. Because uh, I don't know if you all are familiar with the uh, movie The Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. In order for a wizard to try and even get a spell like this, I would think they would need to visit a place like uh, what was that thing's name? Agra, who had that that funny. Machine that had all the moves yeah. and things spinning around. In order to make a spell, they would have to have something like that. That this is where I can see this, you know, you know, emplaced here in the Dragonlance thing. This isn't something that you can, you know, buy at a magic store no. or, you know, whatever. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. I like this. Yeah, yeah, I like the concept. It's just the execution is can be a little clunky without yeah. the uh, Dragonlance website. It's- just knowing all the stuff that you have to do to be a wizard, <laughs> I would not want to play a wizard in Dragonlance. <laughs> it just sounds like too much work. 
Not to mention they're also all hunted down and tried to be and pretty much. Well, yeah, if you're not part of the three schools of magic, right? Well, they have yeah. um, they have witches of Teledados. Tele- I can't pronounce it. I've never been on part. Where's the witches of what tacos? What uh, <laughs> witches of Teledos? Which is if you wanted to play a wizard that is not in one of the uh, orders of high sorcery, right? It's a custom class that the website made up, so you can use. Uh, okay. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yes, it's definitely interesting, but I'm I yeah. just really question the utility outside of Dragonlance, unless you want to really rework the conditions at which it's effective. I could like for Greyhawk. I mean, uh, well, you have one moon, right? <laughs> I almost had visions of that planet from a uh, pitch black with the two suns, and when they both came into perfect alignment with right. the moon, it went dark, and then all the uh, bat things that just eat everything appear. Uh, that was the first yeah. thing that popped into my mind. Well, yeah. See, I thought of you know dark crystal because I think it was three moons or whatever the hell it had. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of yeah. That's what came to my mind was Dark Crystal. Is so. If anyone out there has any other ideas on how to actually use this in the non-Dragonland setting, uh, let us know, and and have it not be some giant mathematically clunky chart-based thing. Something that right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the trick. I think this is a good way of torturing your players. Yes, make <laughs> make them chart the moons. Yeah, that would be the magic user's problem. Yeah. So there we have it. Uh, tell us how you want to do it or if I staff at gmail.com or you can uh, call us and, uh, well, head to the out. Well, I guess that's going to wrap up the show for this week, guys. All right. Kinder must be destroyed. You throw him in the uh, fire. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we could have our sci-fi fantasy game where the Kenders meet the Gungans. <laughs> that would be a sci-fi fantasy game. Yeah. You, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if anyone out there is really good at building websites, give me give us an email. I need to speak to someone about jazzing up a website. Or if I staff at gmail dot com. I do like those walrus guys. I think they're very cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are definitely interesting. This is another look at Dragonlance yet again. We'll probably come back again in the future and look at Dragonlance yet again, again. Yeah. So. Hopefully with Tracy, because, you know, he was... I tried to get him to go on, but it's Sunday, and, you know... Yeah. We record the show, and it's not very good for him on Sundays, so... Yeah. When we did it on Tuesday, he was all ready to come on the show, but, so... Because mm-hmm. of Nick, we had to go back to Sunday. Hey! <laughs> so we replaced Tracy Hickman with Nick. Hey, yeah. hey I think it's a good trade. Yeah. I don't know. I think I tricked What else you got to get, you know, great, you know, conversation... At you least know, you read from a book like Nick Bill does. <laughs> I will slut and I will come in. <laughs> Actually, when I uh, when I read from books and everything, I do have a lot of inflection, oh. you know, in my voice. I love reading. Yeah, yeah, that's all good though. Well, again, we're gonna keep it original, keep it old school, and put the book down for this week. Say good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Yeah, have a good night. for initiative.